0: Hey everyone! It is Michael Gormley. Welcome back to Beyond the Bulletin, America's least favorite Catholic podcast, and I am joined today by Bizarro Stephen Lenehan. Boo! Psych. That's the wrong host. That's the wrong host. We got Jay. We're both wearing blue. We got a blue backdrop. We got blue lights. We look great. Dabu dabu die. Dabu dabu die on blue. blue. Today, what are we going to talk about, Jay? We got an important subject. <sighs> I want to talk about hope, Gomer. You want to talk about hope?
1: I, I think in in these current oh. times, hope would be a great topic to talk about.
0: Man, I had planned all this stuff to talk about uh, mental prayer. Mental prayer. Mental prayer. We were just going to talk about contemplation this whole time. Infuse contemplation, and now you threw a zinger I mean, me.
1: I could very easily just do one of these numbers <sighs> and just sit over here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, no, today we want to talk about the theological virtue of hope, because I find that so many people today... Um, Overwhelmingly I just heard a a terrifying statistic Uh, So many people today are without hope Uh, The number of 5 to 11 year olds That have attempted suicide Has skyrocketed in the past like 5 years Children living with anxiety And taking the ultimate uh, Or at least attempting or speaking about it uh, Has skyrocketed Um, The idea of hope uh, Has been used for Political campaign ads It's used, uh, it's slung around by people When they mean wish or they talk about the lottery what the heck does the word hope mean why is despair so prevalent why is presumption so big there's so much that is bound up with the concept of hope and so many misunderstandings so uh jay said hey i want to be your fake steven today and i said i'd rather you be my real jay
1: i'm definitely not going to be in my, in my expectations of this, and expectation is a great thing. Oh, that's a, a prelude, oh, get to that a little later. foreshadowing. I don't expect to potentially contribute a lot to the hope dialogue, but my hope is to kind of give you some softballs and uh just kind of maybe put out some kind of hypothetical questions like thinking like uh you as a viewer like what would you ask Omer? what would you ask mike um what do you kind of how do we dive into this a little bit deeper so yeah
0: i think number one you've already contributed so much with that shirt and that mustache so i think we're we're on good solid ground <laughs> my wife good, hates it both of them
1: uh no she probably likes it she, she probably likes the shirt more than the mustache now do but,
0: you like the shirt
1: yes uh i was born in hawaii a few fun fact Few okay. people know that and so i like to keep it tropical so okay yeah.
0: Bring a little bit of that, a little bit of tropics to the You don't
1: see very many of these around around these parts of town. So I try and, uh, you know, also, you know, from Florida, born in Hawaii, living in Texas. My wife won't let me buy a cowboy hat or cowboy boots until I gain 50 pounds, she said. <laughs> no, she so says that's her exact, that's her exact. Better start drinking. It. Yeah. I do push ups every night. Just like, I want a cowboy hat. I want a cowboy hat. So
0: push ups isn't going to do it. It's called whole milk, whole milk. You know, I had a core member when I was a life team youth minister here named Ray. And Ray always wore Hawaiian shirts. And one day I walked up to Ray and I said, Ray, why do you always wear Hawaiian shirts? And he looked at me and was like, why wouldn't I? I was like, okay. That point. Ray, Ray nailed it. Yeah. Ray nailed it. Yeah. So let's dive into hope. Uh, I, I, I hope we can do this. Um, I wish we could get through the whole material in 30 minutes. What do you think? Uh, you?
1: I mean, since it's just you spitting the facts. <laughs> I mean, I already put the camera just on you. So it's 45 minutes. <laughs> 45
0: minutes later. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I want to talk about hope, and I want everyone to understand that there are two different types of hope that we're going to talk about. One does not cancel the other out. In fact, the one fulfills and elevates the other. So when we say I hope, for most of us, what we really actually mean is not I hope. We mean I wish or I expect. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I start off with uh, talking about what hope is not. First, hope is not one of those two counterfeits. I wish is not rooted in reality. A wish is not rooted in reality. So when you say like, man, I hope I win the lottery, it's not rooted in reality you're You're more likely to get struck by lightning like ten times in a row on the same day uh while taking a shower than you are to win the lottery, yeah, and uh, I think that's accurate. You can check my math yeah, on that Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> but the idea is wish when I wish something, I'm not trying to change reality. I want reality to be changed, and that's what that's what makes wishing dangerous mm-hmm. is um there is zero it's not rooted in the real but it's a desire for some future outcome that's different than the one i want so i you know you wish things were changed you wish that person loved you you wish you know whatever it might be i remember when my now wife then girlfriend would not take me back after i broke up with her for the sixth time what why wouldn't you take me back look at me i'm a stud and uh i remember just being like well why why did that have to happen or what? and my friends are just like it's what happened it is what it is when people say it is what it is that means you're not connecting with reality yeah it is what it is and you're you're wishing. you're not on that right is you're not (laughs) ising you're not ising and actually that's a very deep theological or philosophical concept uh good old saint tommy aquinas said uh you know the the essence of to be ising right being is what god is god is pure act right and so if I'm breaking away from reality, I'm also breaking away from the very source of reality, which is God. So mm-hmm. wishful thinking is not hope. We use hope in that way, but that's not hope. You ready for number two? You ready yeah, for number me. two? Okay. Number two is expectation, mm-hmm. right? So um, a lot of people talk about, you know, in Christian circles, maybe charismatic circles. They talk about having an expectant faith, right? Like you're going to pray for a miracle. We want to expect a miracle will happen. But let's make it a little bit more a little bit more uh, common, like a farmer who works the land and does it well, has a reasonable expectation for a good crop. Good yield. Right. Yeah. Good yield. Good yield, if you will. Uh, I'm trying to
1: become Texans. Yeah, uh, I know nice. Tex, I know yeah. farmer terms.
0: Tall hat, big cattle. Wait, what is it? The Big hat, no cattle. Big hat, no cattle. That sounds about You're right. No hat, no cattle. Okay. <laughs> uh so (laughs) so the expectation right the expectation of him gaining 50 pounds he gets a hat that is at least somewhat rooted in reality if he learns to adopt my amazing meal plan whole milk whole milk um but when you start to think about it expectations does not equal reality right Mm -hmm. what do you call a a pregnant woman she's an expectant mother mother uh she is a mother but she's expecting to give birth to a live child now that doesn't mean sadly tragically that that's going to happen i don't want to get all dark So quickly. But um, the idea of expectation is it's rooted in the things that I've done that are difficult that will come to be that will come to be like, I trust that this will happen, all things being equal. And what ends up happening is oftentimes when our expectations aren't met, we can blame external circumstances. We can blame insufficient work that we did to accomplish those things. But the, the reality is the future isn't necessarily uncertain right? I can't predict the future. You and I are bound by time. So we can wish reality were different. We can uh, work to make the future different, which is a far more responsible thing to do. But then there comes the whole next dimension, the whole next level of uh, of hope, which we would say is is what is hope properly called Christian hope. And that is, I don't believe this future outcome is going to happen because of what I've done and can legit expect it. Right? It's not just because I've diligently saved that I know I'm going to have X amount of dollars in the bank account because of the stock market, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. The idea is Christian hope has its object, its source and object is God and what God did for me. So my hope is rooted, the reason why it's certain is because it's not dependent on my ability to bring it about. See, that's the whole idea of Christian hope is where is the locus? Where is the location from Mm. which and towards which it aims. That's nice. So wishful thinking, it's aimed at the universe and says, I want everything to be different, right? And it doesn't put any ownership on myself to make it different. Mm. Expectation puts all the ownership on myself and hopes that the universe doesn't alter things so that I know I'll get what I work (laughs) for. But, you know, expectations are not always reality. They are a possibility. They make the future possible, but not certain. Yeah. And then so we have to, in order to have Christian hope, you have to believe, you have to hope in someone that is outside of time. Based in reality. Yeah, well, based in reality, that God's reality is something that isn't conditioned by, by past, present, and future. Because for us, we have a future orientation. And the reason why it's a possibility with expectant hope is things change as you progress through the future. But God is already, quote, unquote, in the future. Mm-hmm. God is already there. All of time is one simultaneous present to God. And so if that's true then I can have certainty in God's promises because not because they're based on my work but because of they're based on what he accomplished and promises for me. So before we even get to the content of hope we start with the one who gives us hope. Wow.
1: Yeah. That was a lot. Right, that's a game changer though. I feel woefully unprepared and unqualified to be <laughs> giving any sort of podcast commentary on this topic.
0: Oh, woefully unprepared. That's what I said when I got married.
1: One thing thing you said that I thought that did stand out to me, though, was you kept saying, like, on me. It's not, like, on me to do this. It's not, like, I think that was a big breakthrough when I was, like, I'm only 27, and so I think about, like... Just a pup. Just a young pup. Just a youngin. When I think about coming up, uh, working here, but also just, like, growing in my faith, I think one of the biggest reasons I didn't have hope is because so often when I would fall into sin or, you know, be struggling with something, I put it all on me. I'd say, "Oh well, I, you know, I need to overcome this. I need to be stronger. I need to do this." And it really wasn't until I like focused on the surrender of trusting in God's reality and not my own strength that I really was able to, like, you know, go to confession and not be like, "Oh, I'm gonna be stronger. I'm gonna, you know, yep. make, like, you know, it was it was that perspective shift that I think is we're kind of talking about in terms of like expectations
0: and hope." Yeah. So let me speak directly to the reality of hopelessness in confession. I have known so many Catholics, and myself included, who have struggled with habitual sin, the same sin over and over again, and you feel like you can't breathe, like you're, you're just lost in this sin, and it defines you. It's part of your personality or identity in so many different ways, and you find out it's wrong, and you want to change your life, and you want to do what's good, so you go to confession, you confess it, you've confronted it, you've repented, and you really sincerely want it out of your life. And then you fall right back into it, maybe a week later, maybe a month later, maybe a year later. And that kind of like that addictive nature of vice, this is, this is what we call a vice. A vice is the opposite of virtue. A virtue harnesses your human powers and orients them to the good. A vice harnesses your human powers and breaks them for the bad, right? Breaking bad. Um, so <laughs> oh, Moving along. So the idea is, and I, I've heard this man say this, and it, it broke my heart to hear him say this because he was articulating despair he was crying in front of me and he has confessed a sexual addiction to the point where his life had completely become unhinged and he was seeking out uh, all sorts of illicit encounters uh, with strangers Mm -hmm. and this is this is intense right this is illegal this is damaging to his body not just his soul it's like all of the above and he said I go to confession two or three times a week what do I do he said, You know what I want? And it's a true story, he said this. And I remember just weeping for this man. He said, I sometimes I wish I would go to confession, walk out the door, and accidentally get hit by a car because then wow. I know, then I know I'd be fine.
1: Now I have to keep keep falling into it.
0: Right. But so this is where I think a little Saint Tommy, the old Saint Thomas Aquinas, comes in. He'd come on back. This is where he come on back. Right. So what he expressed was hopelessness towards victory over his sin because he was placing the entire emphasis on what he had to do to overcome and accomplish. Now, that's important for us to maintain the Catholic both and. It is on you to overcome and accomplish because it was already on Jesus Christ on the cross and by his resurrection to overcome and accomplish. What Christ did on the cross was his works purchased for you free grace. And that grace is like a new superpower. I always relate it to, it's like having gills and living with Aquaman in his underwater kingdom. Mm. Right? Like, if you don't have gills, you can't live there. Right? You can't function. What happens two minutes after you go into the waves? Uh, You drown. You drown. Right? I can't. Mine is more like 30 seconds. I have (laughs) the lung capacity of a field mouse. Uh, (laughs) But the idea of grace is that it equips me to live the divine life. Right? St. Peter says, we are partakers of the divine life. It equips me to live the supernatural, eternal, everlasting life right here, right now, receive the sacraments, all of that stuff. That's what grace does. So then what hope does is it comes alongside that and it says what we are trusting in is that God's future promises are being realized here and now in you. And also, here's the other thing that sometimes we despair over is we look at ourselves, we see how broken we are, and we don't realize that God has all eternity to work on you. That's true. Your humbleness, your repentance, your ability to truly, honestly confront your sin, even if you don't perfectly overcome it, God has an eternity to work on that area of your life. And that's why C.S. Lewis says, if you're a jerk, imagine what you'll be in this life. Imagine what you'll be 10,000 years from now. You don't want to do that. You want to be the type of person that you want to grow and constantly grow through for the next, you know, yeah. trillion, trillion millennia. Growth, so a Growth mindset right you want to ha- you want to get rid of that stinking thinking that you cannot grow and you want to have a gratitude for gratitude but in hope in the notion of hope you have um this the twin feelings right the twin experience of jesus christ knew my sin and took it from me by the cross and then he enables me by his grace to conquer my sin okay mm-hmm. the, the i think a lot of times the problem is we aren't living from a place of hope we're living on a very human level that that keeps reverting back to it's all me, it's all me, it's all me, and mm-hmm. it's all me, and that's it. Sure. And we don't know what it means to live from a place of hope. St. Paul says uh, in Romans chapter 5, hope does not disappoint. But it's only after he talks about proving character and perseverance and all of that stuff that comes before having a truly developed, authentic Is Christian that, hope. Was that
1: Romans 12.12 that's the rejoice in hope? No. Dang it, it's 12.12 no, no, 12 no. something. No, that's, it's, that's Romans 5. Are you sure? Rejoice and yeah. hope, be patient and. In-
0: tribulation No, that might be romans 12 but romans 5 is uh trying to get for endu- endurance produces proven character sure. Proven character produces I'm hope trying to get hope at least one disappoint. scripture flex but, I don't think it. <laughs> but, but it didn't ah! get it didn't get it, oh, it
1: oh, here we go. Oh. <laughs>
0: but this is where saint thomas aquinas comes very much into handy he says okay before we talk about supernatural hope let's talk about what natural hope looks like so i talked about the counterfeits of wishful thinking and expectation but natural hope, he says, it's a passion or an appetite or a, uh, not an appetite, a passion or a um, affectation or emotion or feeling that arises from what he calls the irascible appetite. Things like anger and rage and fear are part of your irascible appetite. It's like your emotional overdrive. And the idea of this being so powerful, and I, I was just reading this the other day preparing for the uh, Steubenville Live Youth Conference. I heard about it's that. It's all about hope. And Romans 5.5, hope does not disappoint, is the, uh, is, is the theme verse. And as I'm preparing for that, I'm reading through St. Thomas in the Summa Theologiae, and he says, "What is natural hope? Just natural level. It is hoping for something in the for a good in the future that is only attained through great difficulty." Say that again, but half as fast. A good in the future that is only attained through great difficulty. Great difficulty. So we would look at that as like expectation, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of hard work. So you can have an Olympian who hopes for the gold medal and they pour a lot of hard work into that now they know there's a lot of things opposing them but they have this natural hope and confidence in their own ability to accomplish and get to that goal to attain the goal and he said the the thing that gets sneaky right is well number one it has to be something that's difficult to accomplish because thomas aquinas would say if you could already uh as you scroll through the internet, uh, I'm, I, I was right about the Romans twelve twelve. It was uh, yeah, it's the rejoice one, right? Joyful yeah. and hope,
1: patient affliction, p- faithful in prayer. I was looking up a follow up verse to whatever you're talking about. Look at that beautiful I just, man. Just thought of it. Look at that beautiful I gotta man. I redeem myself for messing up the Romans. So, <laughs> so keep going. You're right. You're right
0: on track. So he says you can't hope for something that's easy to do. Like, oh man, I hope I could walk over there and uh, take a piece of paper like that. You don't hope for trifles. Mm-hmm. He says you hope for things that are difficult to, That's where hope kicks in. That's that irascible like. I have to really work for this. In the human level, that's all over the place. Yeah. But then take that and talk about eternal salvation. And you're like, uh, well, how do I earn God's own inner life for myself? You can't.
1: There's not, there's not a certain number of rosaries. that's going to check that box. You know? <laughs>
0: yeah. I prayed a 1,000 rosaries. Oh, it was 1,005. Sorry. Yeah, you didn't it. quite enjoy, earn it. Enjoy hell. Um, so the idea is, how do I get it? And St. Thomas introduces this thing. He says, well, you can hope for something that's difficult to attain in yourself or with someone else. And he says that Christian hope is rooted in our ability to attain obtain something difficult because of someone else, namely mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Because of what he accomplished 2000 years ago by his life, death and resurrection makes Christian hope possible. He says, "This thing that I bought for you, right? I have a I have a place prepared for you in my father's house. It is set, I hold it secure for you." And now he's giving you the grace, the ability to accomplish that which he promises to you, Mm -hmm. right? That's why Scott Hahn called his book A Father Who Keeps His Promises because he walks you through from Genesis to Revelation how the father kept the promises he made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, how he made it to Adam and Noah, like this long hoped for dream. And we go to the great symbols of hope, which you pointed out were your favorite part of the reading that I made you do. The,
1: the oh, the Abraham and Isaac. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, there's a lot of hair parts. I literally looking at everything because you
0: said like, <laughs> uh, where is it? It said
1: hope is uh, the sure and steadfast anchor
0: of the soul. It's
1: kind of, you know, what you just said about yeah, the, and so, being
0: rooted in that. Exactly. So it's an anchor of the soul. What do anchors do? If you have a uh, a boat anchor, I was talking to my exactly kids about what I was thinking this. about? Good job. Right. So the symbol in Christian iconography of hope is an anchor, right? So what does an anchor do? You throw the anchor in the ocean. It has to be heavy. It has, the chain has to take you all the way down to firm ground, right? And why do you do that? Because if your ship is just sitting on the waves, eventually the undulation of the ocean will move it away. It's unstable inherently. So you have an anchor to connect it to something that is stable. Now, this matters because the anchor has to be sure, has to be strong, has to be robust enough. The largest anchor in the world, each link in the chain weighs 500 pounds, and it has, like, 2,000 links. Like, it's insane. It's not going anywhere. No. Uh, and the it's, it's weird thing is it's not on a sailboat. No. Uh, so the whole idea of an anchor, think about this. The boat, when it when it's on the ocean, it's going up and down, and it's going side to side, and it will All leave without. Right. You know this as one from Hawaii and Florida. That's
1: exactly. You're reading it.
0: You're re- <laughs> I'm reading that shirt like it's my yeah. job. Um, but what an anchor does is it doesn't also prevent it from drifting away. It also limits the up and down pitch. Mm-hmm. It keeps it stable in an otherwise unstable environment. That's why hope, the symbol for, it, became the anchor, because it keeps you locked on where you ought to be. It becomes this thing that that comes alongside you and says, here is the stability and the strength that you need. That's why in Christian theology, the sacrament of hope, what do you think the sacrament of hope is? The sacrament of faith is baptism. Mm. The sacrament of love is the Eucharist. Confirmation? com for Man, I completely guess. I that right. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. What does he win? Nothing. Some he chrism. Some, cri- some chrism beard balm for that mustache.
1: Um, That'd be, be a great sponsor. Be, if anyone wants to sponsor Beyond the bolt, Bulletin, quick uh, quick plug, we're looking for sponsors. And I think like a beard balm would be a great for a sponsor. <laughs> so if that. there's any,
0: any companies out there. You know, I love that idea. Look, uh, think about it. Uh, St. of Padua Faith Formation, brought to you by Colgate. <laughs> <laughs>
1: brought to you by Target. <laughs> but yes, yes. Uh, confirmation. When I when I think about my confirmation, like, it was, I, I think, a lot for a lot of my classmates, kind of like the Catholic graduation of, yeah. like, Omda, oh, don't have to go to church on Sunday, you know. But for me, it felt like it was, like, a bit, it was a very hopeful kind of sacrament, hopeful, like, yeah. experience because, like, here I am kind of, you know, kind of taking a first, like, personal, like, um, self-motivated step towards my yeah. faith in terms of, like, you know, it wasn't my mom, you know, making me get up in the morning to go to mass. It was me kind of wanting to take one, having that hunger, having that kind of desire. Like you said, like an inner kind of drive um, to hope for something greater. So,
0: And you just said the key word. No, well, number one, you said the wrong word and then the right word. It was my desire, my hope. my. But mm-hmm. the right word is desire. That's where St. Thomas roots natural hope that supernatural hope builds on. It's our desires. C.S. Lewis says. Like whenever in his book Mere Christianity, whenever he talks about hope in particular, he says, We all have experiences. Imagine you're on a holiday with your with your wife, and it's perfect. You're in this beautiful thing, blah, blah, blah. He said, It's still not literally perfect. Not every single inch of your experience is flawless, is you know. And he says, So what happens? There's there's an element of emptiness, of incompleteness in even the best human experience. And so we said, What do we do? What is our reaction? He said, Reaction number one. The fool's way the fool's way is to say well it's not my fault it's the situation's fault mm-hmm. so that what the fool does is he gets a new wife he gets a goes on a different place a vacation he indulges in different pleasures he chases after infinite perfection in finite things and he's a fool because he'll never find them and then the next step is the disillusioned sensible man that's Mm -hmm. c.s lewis's term i like that he said
1: disillusioned
0: sensible man okay it's it's the disillusioned sensible man meaning he's disillusioned because he's encountered the best this world can offer and finds it wanting Mm. and then says well there is nothing like that i'm wrong for thinking that so i'm gonna lower my standards and settle so the first one thinks the eternal joy that i want is found in this life mm. the second one denies eternal joy and just lives a sensible life and c.s lewis says if there, this would be the right position to take the second one that would be the right position to take if there was no such thing as eternity but then because there's no because there is a thing as eternity the christian gives you the third way and the third way is i have a desire within me That is bigger than this world that this world cannot satisfy so the fool's way is to constantly look in the world for the infinite thing sure um so he says so then the christian realizes well then there must be something other than this world that will bring satisfaction yeah that's that well that's a great quote because he talks about like i have a desire for food and there's a real thing called food i have a desire for drink there's a real thing called drink i have a a desire for sex there's a real thing called sex every human heart has a desire for complete and lasting happiness yet this world can't give it. So yeah. if I have a desire that here. can't be met by this world, then that means there has to be something more than this world. In mm-hmm. fact, I own a book called C.S. Lewis's Dangerous Idea that like really narrows down on that one part as it's explained in his book, Miracles. And it's a fascinating book. I would encourage you all to read
1: everything is, that C.S. Lewis is. Is that read. the book
0: of the week? No, no, no. I got oh, another one. You got another one? Okay. I got this one right here. That's the book of the week. Gotcha. See, I came prepared. I, I'm, I, I just didn't
1: know. I mean, I'm excited Back. to start a, a rolling week book of the week, so I didn't know if that was your plug or if you got another one coming up.
0: Yeah, so here's the other side. The, let's talk about the shadow side. So we got the counterfeits, which is the just one calorie, not hope enough. You got the wish and the expectation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the reaction. Of, when you look at it from the perspective of my desires, mm-hmm. you have the fool's way and the disillusioned sensible man's way. Yes. And those are also canceled out by Christian hope. But then you have this next thing, which is the classic Aristotelian and Thomistic way of viewing virtue.
1: Ooh, those are both big words. I know.
0: <laughs> Aristotle, right, the great philosopher Aristotle, talked about virtue as the via media, the way in the middle. So, like, bravery. Bravery, its opposite is what? What would you say is the opposite of being brave? Being a... Scaredy cat? Coward. Scaredy Ear. cat. You can use... use yeah. <laughs> right, being a scaredy cat. Letting the present fear... Uh, cause you to do inaction. Yeah, bravery is not that you're fearless. Mm. That is so. When Aristotle talks about the two, right? He says one's the opposite, but the down. other one is like the excess, right? So what if you have an excess amount of bravery? Well, then you're foolhardy, right? Mm. That's a that's the common phrase. Yeah. you're foolhardy or you're fearless. You shouldn't be fearless. If there is a bear on the road and it's hungry and and you just got like a Hawaiian shirt on, and some and nice hold slacks. two steaks. Yeah, might get... be right to be fearful there. You are you're right saying? to be fearful. Someone yes. once explained the difference between fear and anxiety is fear is, ah, there's a bear on the path. Let's get out of here. And anxiety is, I'm not going to go down that path because there might be a bear on the path, and mm. let's just go home and sit. Um, let's watch Netflix. So the idea is that um, when we start to talk about hope, what is the via media of hope? Well, it's opposite. It's contrary, right, is despair. Despair. Despair is actually classified as a sin, in the, a mortal sin in the Catholic Church. Because if you remember what supernatural hope is, it is my confidence, not in myself, but in who God is, number one, and what God has promised, number two. So my confidence, cum fide, right, with faith. I have faith in God's ability to accomplish what God has promised to me. Despair says not even God is greater than my sin. Right, not even God. You despair of attaining that good at the end. Right, remember it's attaining the good that's difficult to get. You despair of ever being able to attain that good. Right, so you can think about this where a, a boy loves a girl and she's like super out of his league. Not that that ever happened to me. Or
1: or definitely never happened to me either. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and so what does he do? Well, he despair. You can see me think of this in a in a human way. Right, you despair of ever attaining that good. Oh, it turns yeah. out she loves someone else. Just negates the hope. Right, it negates the hope. It's the opposite of hope. So what does it do? It, it plows you downward into yourself and you think, what can I do differently? What can mm-hmm. I can do? But you can't there, there's not right. You despair of attaining it. So you don't want to do anything. Now, caveat, let's bracket this and make sure that everyone listening doesn't confuse it, doesn't confuse despair with depression.
1: I was going to say desolation and depression. I feel like are kind of like
0: they're very close. Exactly. They're very close. Uh, there is a sense of depression in a in a spiritual way of because you're despairing of 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 uh, of your end your goal your good your desires ever being fulfilled you end up um, losing zeal for life or whatever it might be you lo- if you lose purpose you often lose the ability to act in the world but I want to talk about the mental illness of depression and I need everyone to hear me that is something fundamentally distinct from despair. <laughs> But I want to talk about the mental illness of depression, and I need everyone to hear me. That is something fundamentally distinct from despair. We are talking about despair is a rejection of God's ability to accomplish. Depression is an inability, you know, a, a, a chemical imbalance within your brain that prevents certain things, you know, serotonin mm. uptick inhibitors, and all of these things from actually being able to accomplish the normal functioning of the human brain so that it causes a negative and depressive outlook on everything, Right. So I want to draw a distinction there. There is some forms of depression that are temporary and passing. Other forms of depression that are clinical and chronic. These things need to be bracketed off in our understanding of despair. It's not that there is no overlap whatsoever, but the church would like us, ever since Vatican II, the church said, the formation of priests needs to involve the social sciences, like psychology and sociology, Mm -hmm. especially in, in understanding the confessional. Because I don't ever want people thinking, because I'm depressed, biologically, that means I've despaired of all hope in God. Wow. This is where we enter into that Abrahamic faith. Of This is where the, the book of Hebrews describes the faith of Abraham as one who hoped oh, against hope. Which yeah. is an incredible phrase. That's fire. <laughs> that's, that. fire that's fire, buddy. That's, someone say it's lit. Might, that's lit on fire. <laughs> you millennial. Well, you're not a millennial, are you?
1: I mean, I was born in 93, so I think technically... You know, I think you are. I think yeah. you are. Thank God you're not Gen Z. I
0: don't know what I would do.
1: I don't know what I would do. I don't think I'd be hired here if that's <laughs> yeah. if I
0: was Gen Z. I'm eight! You're hired. <laughs> you must get the social medias. Yes, you know how to use Twitter. Yeah. Yes,
1: Abraham, I was going to ask you, like, what can we take away? Like, What can we learn from Abraham's faith in the story of Abraham and Isaac?
0: Yeah, so the Catechism of the Catholic Church says essentially that Abraham hoped against hope, that Isaac... Not that he wouldn't die, because he's Mm -hmm. like, well, God told me that this is the deal, so I'm going to go do this. But God also told me that through my offspring, my son whom I love, is going to come the blessing to the world. So how do I reconcile this? And the book of Hebrews gives us a powerful insight, is that he believed in a resurrection. He believed that even if he had to kill his son for some bizarro reason to Yahweh, that Yahweh would do something tremendous. He Mm -hmm. hoped against hope. That the despair had crept in to his natural hope, but then supernatural hope kicked in. And the Catechism says, Abraham is not only our father of faith, but also of our hope. He begins it and models it, of which Christ perfects. Because it's not just what Abraham did on that mountain with his son, his only son whom he loves, where he lays the wood of the sacrifice on his mountain, takes him up Mount Moriah and sacrifices Mm -hmm. him. God... Takes his son, his only son, whom he loves, and watches as the Romans lay the wood of the sacrifice on his shoulders and he goes up a hill on Mount Moriah called yep. Calgary. Calvary, not a city in <laughs> Calgary? Calgary. <laughs> I wasn't gonna correct you because I trust you. Yeah, that you know I, you're talking I, about... Yeah, I always, faith, black, I always flip those two. I always flip those play to two. Play to, get Where out of get you? us out. So then when we talk about despair, despair negates hope. Mm-hmm. What about its excess? Do you know what that might be called? Where you hope irrationally, right? This is a supernatural is it presumption? disorder. Yes. Yeah.
1: See, I, I, definitely, you know, I wanted, I, if I was gonna share a microphone next to Michael Gorman, I wanted to be able to have a little bit to, to offer. So you got streak red, bro. presumption is having more. It's like it's like an excess, like you said, of hope. Yeah.
0: Right? So, so like you can think of bravery is to foolhardiness. Well, what is a brave person? Well, think of you know the stereotypical a soldier who runs into bullets to fight. Right. Yeah. Someone in battle who engages the enemy. A coward is someone who turns and runs, not because the fear isn't real, but because he let the fear overcome his duty. The brave person has the same fear, but also has the moral choose, resolution yeah. and, and the choice to stay. That's when it becomes a virtue, when you're overwhelmingly confronted with this, and even your desires are, I'm going to stay and fight. Foolhardiness pretends like there is no fear. Pretends like there is no bullets. Pretends like there is no bullets. And uh, To me, the image is... Um, Oh, which, what was the movie? It's a Vietnam War movie, Apocalypse Now. I think that's the mm. one with Tom, Tom uh, I almost said Tom Hardy. Tom Berenger stands up. He's a sergeant or, or a lieutenant, and everyone's firing their weapon. he's like, and he's just standing there like this. He's acting like the bullets won't touch him. Mm. And when we talk about hope, like the excess of it or the aping or the mimicry mm. of it is presumption, where you act like there is no arduousness. There's no difficulty there no other side of it right so from a catholic perspective the notion of for instance one saved always saved is an act of in a way an act of presumption it mimics hope in that it's not because of what i accomplished that christ says no, "Ooh, come into I my heaven it's what christ accomplished for me that then makes me able to do the work of the kingdom
1: yeah, it's not one size fits all it's...
0: right right but whereas some say well christ accomplished it for me therefore i don't have to do anything i am assured 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 and St. Paul would say, if you stand, take care, lest you fall. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I pound my body and subdue it so that I might, after having led so others to win the race, uh, I might not lose. And so this notion at its core is hope needs perseverance so that it doesn't fall into presumption. Mm. Presumption. Perseverance. Yeah, presumption. That's why perseverance leads to endurance, leads to proving character, leads to hope, and hope yeah. does not disappoint. So when we look at this, let me... Let me put it in real-world terms. Let me put it in real-world terms. You and I can be afraid of a great many things right now. We can be afraid of never never meeting again in a Bible study here at our church. We can be afraid of um, contracting COVID-19 and and enduring a a profound amount of suffering or watching a loved one go through it or having to bury a loved one because of it. The the riots, the violence— Um, All of this stuff that surrounds us, our own sinfulness, the coping mechanisms that we grabbed onto to deal with the quarantine, all of these things can make our lives feel incredibly hopeless. And in a natural way, they are, or they can be. But this is the hoping against hope. This is the trustful surrender that every son or daughter has to have of their father whom they love. If you really believe God is the God of love, that God is a father then you believe, you have to believe. Like Jesus says, you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your kids. How much more does the Father in heaven mm-hmm. know how to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So you sit there and you say, all right, if God the Father is a better father than me, he knows that he can't just fix all my problems for me, because when I do that for my earthly children, they learn nothing, they experience nothing, they grow nowhere, mm-hmm. and it destroys their freedom. That in my struggle against suffering, which is a mystery, right? We don't know why God allows it in, in, in you know, completely. The reality is, hope says this to every one of us. Can I trust in my Father's goodness? Can I trust myself to what Jesus did for me 2,000 years ago? And can I entrust myself to the power of the Holy Spirit right now in my life? Because I've been that guy struggling with habitual sin, who looked at his life and finding little evidence of God was close to despair. But the Christian, C.S. Lewis says, is one who looks around the world and finding no evidence of God continues to still believe. That's the most dangerous Christian. That's the first step towards us overthrowing habitual sin and sadness and sorrow and and all of these things when we hope in something that we ourselves cannot attain. Yeah. And my last practical version of hope, you ready for this? Yeah. I'm mean Total I'm, practical application. I'm, I'm, I'm taking notes here for myself. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't even know, son. Yeah, I'm just learning. The most practical application of hope is saying yes to life. Mm. We are, as Catholics, we always have this reputation of being rabbits, right? Mm. Anti-contraception, uh, pro-gen, it's not just about avoiding pregnancies. It's about being generous with your fertility. Mm. And for different couples, it looks differently, right? I'm not going to gainsay or judge anyone, right? There's already enough of that going around. But the idea of being pro-life means there is, at its core, and I got this from Dr. Peter Craven, at its core, being pro-life, choosing life, is saying that you believe the world in the future will be better with you in it. Mm. It is a fundamental affirmation of a human person. Whereas attacking life, being anti-life, being anti, um, or being pro-abortion or pro-euthanasia is saying this world is better without, without you. you. The culture yeah. of death says, "Just we're just going to allow death to be one more option among many." the culture of life says we will never allow the direct and intentional killing of a human person to be an option. We will suffer so that the suffering may be relieved, Mm -hmm. right? We will take on voluntarily the pains of others, the poverty of others, so that their poverty might be relieved, their pain might be relieved. Padre Pio started a hospital called the Home for the Relief of Suffering, and it's one of the biggest hospitals in the world. It's huge. It's huge. Um, right there in Petrocino. And I, I, I it, it was beautiful, and I kind of tried to make a pilgrimage to it, but I couldn't go in because of my bus. I didn't plan my bus schedule. So I went to the front doors, and I was like, uh, okay, and I just touched it and ran, <laughs> ran what, to catch the bus. When was this? When I was in Austria with Francis. Ah, classic. Yeah. Classic Franciscan yeah, story. Yeah, my wife
1: went to Austria, so I won't, I'll ask her if she ever went to the hospital.
0: Nice. Yeah, the, the experience of hope, and the experience of life, and the experience of confirmation. Confirmation is a sacrament of hope because it's It's not you graduating. It's not an end. It's you being initiated. Confirmation is more closely akin to what happened to my nephew uh, a month or so ago. He was drafted into the Army, or drafted. He entered into the Army. He went through boot camp, and then he was assigned his his place to go, right? So that is what confirmation is. You're commissioning to go out and fight. So you receive instruction and training so that, something can be accomplished in the world. You're equipped. That's what confirmation is sacrament of hope. It's a sacrament of my whole life. Mm. I have to live it with firmness, right? Confirmation, with firmness, with strength. And that's the power of Christian hope. It brings strength directly to the the, the areas of greatest despair. So final note, to anyone out there who is on the struggle bus with their emotions, with their family, with their selves, uh, I want you to know that despair... Like I said today, despair is not an option for you. What Christ wants for you is to let his hope settle in your heart. You don't have to conjure it. You don't have to invent it. You don't have to make it up for yourself. All you have to do is take your hope, your desire for a good thing in the future, and place it in the hands of Christ. That is the daring initiative of a Christian. And so, in conclusion, I got a book of the week. I think this camera's going to work. Book of the week. Here we go. Bam. Book of the week. Book of the Week, here we go. Look at that. I (laughs) can just tilt it away from that. Look at that tilt. Look at that. What's it called, Gilmer? (laughs) This book is actually a compendium of three books uh, Faith, Hope, and Love, Ignatius Press, by Joseph Pieper. Joseph Pieper was a brilliant Thomistic philosopher, and he writes in the language that ordinary lay people who have to be college level of education Mm -hmm. can understand. It's not easy reading, but he writes very short books. So this is three books in one, and it's called Faith, Hope, and Love. I highly, highly, highly recommend you getting the book and diving into it, especially Hope, because I think we all need a lot of Hope today. Definitely. Is that yeah. available on Kindle?
1: Oh, you always say if it's available on Kindle or online, do you think it is?
0: You know what? I don't think it is. Oh, wow. I think they do, a Ignatius Press does a terrible job with their older books importing them into Kindle. Yeah. So Wow. So look it up. Silica. Can up. you spell the name of the author? Yeah, Joseph J-O-S-E-F. And okay. then Peeper, P-I-Piper. Piper. P-I-E-P-E-R. Great. Yosef Piper. Piper. Excuse me. Great. Yeah, he taught at uh he taught in uh what's what's this the Catholic school? Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Yeah. That's Him cool. and Lonergan and some other guy. You've
1: name-dropped so many people this episode. You've really? named dropped. I'm gonna do what you do. You named dropped Peter Kreeft. You name dropped uh Oh, I'm drawing a blank. C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, the, uh, the other guy from... Jesus Christ. Yeah, you did him. St. <laughs> uh, Paul. The, no, the,
0: uh, gosh, I'm,
1: I'm legit drawing a blank.
0: And I got one more quote for you. Yeah? G.K. Chesterton, great convert to Catholicism. He was sitting down in the pew reading his Penny Catechism, which is a catechism for children in England, right before he became Catholic. And he's reading it, and he says, I love the Catholic faith. And someone said, why? And he said, because in these simple words... I see the trials of my generation. And he, it said, um, the sins that oppose hope are despair and presumption. And he says, what two things could categorize my the world today than a world that is overwhelmed with despair yeah. or overconfident with presumption? Yeah. And he just said, and the way through the middle of it is hope, Christian hope, a hope that comes from what Christ did for you, and is really applied to your life so that the promises of God might be fulfilled. Simple, yeah. beautiful, elegant. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Thank you all for listening very much. This has been beyond the bulletin with Mike Gomer Gormley, and, and I'm joined as always. You're always there lurking in the background. I'm always Our phantom right of the opera. Right there. <laughs>
1: always hiding at mass doing the live streams,
0: but it's fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks yeah. for letting me uh,
1: join and just be blown away by your wisdom and knowledge and, uh, Name Drops, yeah, it was Scott Hahn. That's the name I got. No, Father Scott, who man. keeps his promises, yeah. uh, and I gotta
0: keep my promises to my family by being home at 4 30. So I can take my, puppy to my parents. hey, house. well,
1: we never even mentioned Steven is on vacation. That's oh, yeah. why that's that is why I'm on the show, yeah, and not Steven. So stay
0: yeah. safe, yeah. I Bam! Oh man, I gotta take a puppy, take a puppy to my parents' house. Not excited about Puppy's that. Not going on